Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. We believe that, amen. And the reason that, you know, we just really need to understand, get a revelation of that, because all of us at one time or, or another have been deceived. You're looking at me like, but I don't care who you are, you have been deceived, including myself. We've all been deceived, and so that's why we need to trust God, because He's the all-knowing one. And you can't trust your emotions, because your emotions fluctuate. Your emotions are fickle. And then, our understanding, we don't see the big picture like God sees the big picture. You know, we teach, you know, well, this is what you see from a 30,000 point view. Well, God sees the whole world from every point of view. And um, I was uh, just thinking about trusting God, and I came across, and I started thinking about this. I read this many, many years ago. Uh, this story is the summer of 1859. 1859. Jean, I probably don't get his name right, Jean. Uh, Gravelette Blodden, or Bloden, I'm not sure how do you say it. He was known as the Great Bloden. Must not have been too great because no, nobody knows how to say his name. But anyway, um, he was very famous back in the 1800s because he did a series of tightrope walks across the Niagara Falls a bunch of times. And uh, he walked across 1,100 foot of rope that was about 160 feet above the, fa the falls, and, uh, and it took him about 20 minutes to do that. He drew crowds as large as 25,000 people around there to watch him. And uh, he crossed many, many times. And so he tried to make it more interesting. So he did it with uh, riding a bicycle. You know, I've done some crazy things before. But that riding a bicycle across Niagara Falls would not be on my radar. But uh, he pushed a wheelbarrow, and he even did it with his hands and legs bound in chains. He did it with a wheelbarrow. I read this one. This was from another story, full of rocks, and he pushed it across, and he emptied it, and the crowd just roared and everything. And he says, you believe I can do that again? And everybody said, yes, we believe you can do it again. And he pointed to a guy. He says, get in the wheelbarrow. Let's go. <laughs> not so much. He didn't get in with anybody. Can you believe me? Let's just, somebody get in the wheelbarrow. No one got in the wheelbarrow. But, uh, you know, it's just we, we do things so many times in our life. And God is uh, gracious and merciful to us even when we do stupid things. And we've all done things. Aren't you thankful that God watches over you when you do things that are not the smartest or the wisest? I was, uh, I was really hungry for God and seeking God and went to Bible school. And in between my first year and my second year of Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I, uh, some friends of mine said, let's go swimming at uh, Lake Tenkiller. Have you ever heard of that? That's southeast, about an hour's drive, hour and a half drive southeast of, of Tulsa. And uh, so we went swimming in uh, Lake Tenkiller. And there was a super high bluff and uh, cliff, really high. 
You know, they say for young men that your synapses don't all connect until you're about 25. I was 28, so I pushed that limit. I really pushed. I'm pretty sure they weren't connected because I've thought about it since. And I thought, I've done some stupid things, but that's got to be in the top one. But um, so, you know, people, how they double-dog dare you. Melody double-dog dare me just this past week. I forgot all about that. Uh, she, uh, we went walking along the Arkansas River, and we were drinking, having a little picnic on side a rock or on the rock beside this and uh it was frozen and but you could tell it got thinner and thinner and thinner and she says i double dog dare you to stand on it <laughs> i did and then when i started doing it, she goes no 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 i'm, I'm just kidding because she says if you fell through i wouldn't we are a mile away from my truck and so she says you would have probably cried all the way to the truck but it held me up but anyway it made my day, though. We were walking. This is a little side note. We were walking along this path, and a guy was coming up against us, and he, he said, How you doing, kids? <laughs> He's about 75, 80 years old. And after you walk, I told him, I go. <laughs> I have not been called a kid in a really long time. It made my day. So I thought, when I turn 80, I'm going to go down the path, and I'm going to call everybody kids. I don't care what they say. It just makes your day. You don't. Anyway, um, back to my story. Um, I jumped off this cliff. First of all, it was so stupid. There was a guy down there in the boat fishing, and I yelled down, do you have a depth finder? Yeah. How deep is it right there? Nobody checked out the lake before we jumped. Nobody did. It could have been rocks. Crocodile? No, who knows? I, don't, I mean, something could have been down and bad. And he says, it's 35 foot. And I go, that's deep enough. <laughs> so, lo and behold, I jumped. And um, when I hit the water, and I do mean I hit it. You know, water doesn't feel like water when you're way, way, way up high. And uh, when I hit the water, they all went off to the to the shore but when I hit the water all of a sudden my spirit left my body in case you want to know what that's called that's called dying <laughs> when your spirit leaves your flesh you're dead and the Bible talks about that and so and I looked down and I saw myself in the water and I was like a U my, my arms were up like that my legs were in, up in the air and I just made a U and I looked down there, and I just thought, that's me. That's what I thought. And I was thinking that. And about that time, I don't know how long it was, but I went back into my body. And I'm pretty sure I broke the Guinness World Record of swimming to the top. And I got to the top, and, and uh, the shore is about from here to the road, give or take. And so I swam all the way to the shore. And all my friends were going, just yelling, going, wow, man, we just... We thought you were dead, and we did, we did, you were down there for like three or four minutes, you know, and we were going to get ready to come and get you. I later thought about that. I thought, how long do you think I can hold my breath? Three or four minutes. I thought, man, what kind of friends did I have? Oh, yeah, you were down there for three. We were going to come and get you. After a half hour or what? But anyway, I, I never told that story because it did freaked me out and um, but I just thought 
how the hand of God has been upon my life. And there's many, you all have heard most of my stories. But uh, there's been many times in my life where God's mercy and grace and just, he obviously said we need extra angels on Mike just to get him through life. And, uh, but there comes a time when God wants us to be like the tightrope guy and, and say, get in the wheelbarrow. Trust God. Trust him. And Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8, you, a couple of scriptures from our main scripture. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Trusting God, having a respect for God, just knowing him can cause healing to happen in your body. Just trusting him can cause you to have healing in your body. He's such a good father. And this is why in the last few weeks I've really, really, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, just pressing that we need to get to know him not only as God Almighty, by I mean Almighty, I mean you know that God can do anything. But you need to know him as God as Father. Which means he's going to take good care of you better than any father that you ever thought or dreamed of. And that he has provided everything according to 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Or 3 of 1. I just went blank. But uh, he's put everything inside of us that you need for life. He's put everything inside of you to make, to make you sure that you can walk with your heavenly father. He's made us righteous. Made you righteous. You didn't have to become righteous. He made you. When you accepted Jesus, he says, I'm making you righteous. It's not because of what we perform or because of what we do. It's because that's what he has done to us and for us. But we need to know him in all of these facets of God. God is a friend. But you know, most people say, yeah, you need to fear the Lord. You need to be, I, I tell you what, most people. People get religious on that, and, and they do exactly what they did in the Old Testament. When God came down upon the mountain, Moses drew near, but everybody else took off running because they were scared to death of God, of what he may do. But God knew Moses better than all of the other ones. He knew he wouldn't kill him because he knew him. We need to get to know him in a way to where all of the facets of God, and it doesn't matter if you've been walking with God for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 70 years, 80 years. It doesn't matter. There's still things that we need to press in to, just to know him. 1 John 1.18 says, No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved son who is cherished by the father and held close to his heart. Now he has unfolded to us the full explanation of who God truly is. Everybody before Jesus did not know God in the right way. How's that for a slap you upside the head? He said, until Jesus came, he's the one who started unfolding who God really is. Jesus has done that. So if you want to know Jesus you have, or God, you've got to look at how Jesus did his life. Because that's a picture of who God is. But I was thinking about all of these things and how we need to trust God. And, and I felt like the Lord said to, to really emphasize this. And so here we go. 
A lot of us, depending on your personality, it may be hard or difficult for you to be able to minister to other people, like one-on-one. One-on-one. A lot of times you, people say, well, I'm not a preacher. No, but you have the preacher in you. His name is Jesus. And I believe God's going to, this year, and I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church around the world. He's going to start doing things inside of us as far as revealing a boldness that you thought you never had. And I just try. I didn't do, do a, an extensive list, but Jesus ministered. He was an expert when it came to one-on-one. He ministered to the crowds, but he ministered to the one. Mary Magdalene, he cast out seven demons. The woman at the well of Samaria. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, she had four or five husbands and like she was a wild woman. But in reality, she was a woman that was rejected. And only the man who divorced. So five men rejected her. So she was a woman of rejection. She probably couldn't give birth but uh, it doesn't go into that but she was a woman with tremendous rejection and tremendous guilt and so Jesus met her right there the woman whose daughter was demon possessed the healing of the centurion servant Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector who all the Israelites and Jews hated a woman who was caught in adultery the woman with the about alabaster box of perfume the Pharisee judged her and said if Jesus knew what kind of woman she was he he wouldn't allow her to touch him and Jesus just put him in his place and said you know this woman who has sin and of course all of them had sin has shown tremendous love and her sins listen to me her sins that are, are many are forgiven If you read that, she did not even ask for forgiveness. What are you saying? I'm just saying, when your heart just comes to the Father, He knows what you need, and He's going to do it for you no matter what. We don't even know how to ask for some things. We don't even know everything that we need to ask for. But if you come before God, I guarantee you, he will fix what's wrong, what's broken. He'll mend, he'll make it restored, whatever you need. That's why we come to him. And that's what the woman was doing. She didn't know what she needed, but she just knew that he was the Messiah. He's the one. And she washed his feet with her tears and dried it with his feet with her own hair. Blind Bartimaeus, the man who was at the pool of Bethesda, sick for 38 years. God went to that one guy. Jairus' daughter, the man who was demon-possessed, who ran around the caves when he, Jesus and his disciples got off the boat. Jesus, he came running to Jesus, and Jesus set him free. Chains couldn't even keep him. He would break the chains. Man, now that is a demon-possessed, powerful guy. And the whole town knew of him and feared him. And he came and he was in his right mind. How did this happen? Jesus ministered to the one. I saw Melody read me these statistics in Pueblo. 47% are Catholic. 
16% are Protestant, 37% are nothing or don't believe anything. I told her, I said, you know, we've been in Africa, we've been in all kinds of places, but this is the greatest mission field we've ever been in in our life. Pueblo, Colorado. This is a place that's ripe and ready for harvest, I'm telling you. It is ready. It is ready. Well, life could get really wild this year. I know a lot of people are talking. And uh, it could be like the, the great Blondin walking on the tightrope for the people in America and the people around the world as far as that goes. So things people are saying could happen, possibly happen. But this is what the Lord gave me. Uh, on Tuesdays, I do uh, a 10-minute communion service on Facebook every Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And the Lord spoke this to me as I was doing it. I was just reading this, and I didn't really uh, get what the Lord was trying to say until after the fact. Paul was a prisoner, and he was on this ship, along with 200-and-something people on this ship. And it, Paul warned them that this journey is going to be troubled, and they ignored him. So he didn't have a free will, so he had to go on the ship. And lo and behold, as they traveled, they ran into a storm of all storms. Now, when I read that, I had to read it a couple of times because I thought, are you kidding me? They didn't see the sun or the stars for two solid weeks. It was pitch black. Now, that's a storm. And so you can pick up the story in Acts 27. It says this. Verse 22, but cheer up, Paul says. This is as, you know, they're getting tossed around. Have you ever been on, on a lake or the ocean in, in a storm? We have about three years ago when we were in Africa. That, uh, that was pretty scary. I mean, they, the, this little boat, I don't know how long it was. It definitely was not big enough. And uh, it, it dropped. They, the, the captain of the boat afterwards, when I talked to him, he said they were 15-foot swells. And the, after the wave would go underneath you, the boat would just drop 15 feet. You know, I'm, I, I like roller coasters. I like Disney rides. But there's one thing that I don't like is when you, that sudden drop. And we did that for three hours. And... Uh, you can talk to Monty and Vicky and Jared and Joe, all of the kids. They were, they were on this, so you don't think I'm exaggerating. Uh, I wish I was. But uh, that's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. So I can't imagine doing that for two weeks. Two weeks. And it says, but cheer up. Really? In the middle of all of this. Let's get happy, everybody. I'm sure some of those guys go, you want to punch him? <laughs> Not one of us will lose our lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God has granted your request and will say, he's granted your request. So in other words, when God was talking to him, God, or Paul said, I want to make sure that everybody on this boat, nobody loses their life. He wasn't just thinking about himself. 
He says, God has granted your request and will save the lives of all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, Paul said to the people. For I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Before that, verse 20, it says, After many days of seeing neither sun nor stars, with the violent storm continue to rage against us, all hope of ever getting through it alive was abandoned. Everybody on that ship thought, we're all going to die. Usually there's one or two, but now you've got 276 of them all on the same boat, and they're all saying the same thing, we're going to die. That's a bad storm. All hope. There wasn't just a little bit. Like, no, all hope was gone. This is what I believe, that God it's, you know, I, I'm a grace guy. I'm not legalistic. I don't try to be legalistic. Well, at least I hope I don't come across as legalistic. But this is what I know. God is, I believe, trying to cause there to be a great awakening on the inside of believers around the world for this purpose. Because what you and I faced, first of all, would we respond like Paul? Because that's not the end of the story if you, if you keep reading on. Uh, in verse 33, it says, Just before daybreak, Paul urged everyone to eat. He said, Today makes two full weeks that you've been in fearful peril and hunger, unable to eat a thing. Now eat and be nourished, for you all come through this ordeal without a scratch. He says, Nobody's even going to get a scratch. And then the ship was crushed, and, and they all made it to the shore. And then they, it was cold and wet and everybody's damp. You know, it's just feeling yucky. And so they start building a fire. And so Paul's helping them get kindling and get wood. And, and a viper bites his hand. Matter of fact, and hung on to his hand. And he had to shake it up. That, man, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. What happened to you today? Oh, I was shipwrecked. But before I was shipwrecked, I was two weeks in this storm. And, and then we got through that and... Then a poisonous viper bit me. Wow. That's over the top. But this is what Paul did. How he responded, it just blew me away. He just shook it off. The storm didn't make him doubt his God. Listen to me. The storm didn't make him doubt his God. Getting bit by a poisonous snake didn't make him question or doubt his God. So many of us, how would we have responded? Why, God? Why did you allow this to happen? What, what, what did I do wrong? I think most Christians would probably respond that way, which is a wrong way, by the way. Anytime you think, God, what did I do? What did I do? Why, why do you not, do you not love me? Why Man, you are going down the devil's path when you act like that. And we all probably have done that. But I'm just saying, you're not going to get to the right destination going that way. By saying and questioning God, why did you allow that to happen? This is why I believe we need to have an awakening on the inside, ladies and gentlemen. Because we need to respond like he did. I said, we need to respond like he did. 
In other words, you can throw everything at the church. You can throw anything at the church. You can just say the government is doing this and they're doing this and, and I may lose my job and, and taxes may do this. You, I don't care what they throw at you, but we have the God that the same God that Paul knew and served and he's inside of us and we need to have the same response. You just shake it off, honey. If the whole ship goes down, I'm going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine, but you got to know God. And you got to not just say you know God, you got to trust God like Paul trusted God. He says, I believe that what God said to me is going to come to pass. And man, there's a ton of things. The promises are yes and amen to you and to me. And it's about time that we awaken to those promises and believe that's what's going to happen to me. I am going to walk in healing. I am going to walk in prosperity. I am going to walk in the blessings of God. I am going to walk in the anointing of God. Quit trying to seek the anointing and get awakened to the anointing that is in you. Everything that God has done 2,000 years ago, it's in us. It's in us. But we're not awakened to it. It's time we throw all caution to the wind, jump off the cliff, walk the tightrope, and get in the barrel, whatever you got to do, and say, I'm going to trust God. I'm trusting God. With every part of my life, I'm trusting Him. Man. And you can't get there by faking it. You have to know Him. You have to know Him. And this is the conclusion to the, all that story. Because, listen to me, if Paul did not respond in the right way, the goodness of God would not have manifested. Do you want to know what happened on that island? The Bible says that one of the most important people was sick, and Paul prayed for him, and he was healed. Word got out. The whole island came rushing to Paul, and they brought their sick and there was a great, massive healing revival. What am I saying? This year, I believe this is going to happen. No, I'm not a prophet. <laughs> but I do just have a sense of what God wants to do. He's waiting on people to be awakened to him and his goodness. And through the midst of the storm, through the midst of the ship breaking apart, through the midst of getting snake bit... We shake it all off and we see the goodness of God on the other side. God wants to manifest himself through you and me. Whether it's the one-on-one -on -one or whether it's the crowd. God wants to manifest his goodness. Whether it's in healing, calling people to be transformed, delivered, and set free. Whatever it is. We need to be used by God. You are the one. I remember seeing it. It's me, it's me, it's Ernest T. Okay, most of you have never seen that. But anyway, it's you, it's you. It's you. I'm saying it's you today. It's you today. We need to just start looking at life because 2021 is going to be a year of the goodness of God being manifested. He wants you to know that he's going to make himself known through you and me. He wants to be known. And listen, people are doubting. People are saying, have become lethargic. People have been lazy about things about God. And some people, there's been such uh, 
tremendous growth of people who are atheists in our country and around the world. And God says, I'm going to make myself known to those who don't even believe in me. He wants to be known to the atheists, to those who are lukewarm, to those who are cold, to those who don't care about anything. To the believer who thinks he does know God. God wants to make himself well known. Amen? Let's stand. Amen. So get ready. Get ready. It could be on the job. It could be at the grocery store. I heard this story. Uh, some of you may know Patsy Caminetti. She said that she was, she pulled up to a stop, uh, a signal light, and it was red. And this lady, she just happened to look over to her, and she was just, started doing weird things and screaming and cussing and yelling and just provocative. I mean, it was just terrible. And she thought, what in the world? So she just turned around. She says, I literally got a little scared. And could, I was thinking, turn green, turn green, turn green, turn green, turn green. So it turned green and she took off. And she was going to the church. She was working at this church. So she went to this church parking lot. It was just a few hundred yards from the signal light. And uh, so she went in there. She was telling her friends they were getting ready to pray. She says, we got to pray for this lady at the stoplight that I was just at. I think she was demon-possessed or something. It was just crazy. It was just crazy. So she prayed, and they all prayed and everything. Didn't think anything of it. Well, a few years later, Patsy was telling this story. She was preaching at that church. She was telling this story at this church. And uh, after the service, this lady came up to her and said, I was that lady. She said, what? She said, yeah, I was the lady. She says, the reason is because I followed you into that parking lot. The church parking lot where they were at. She said, I was the one. She said, my life was a mess. I didn't know God and I was just, just a mess, that's to put it. And she said, little by little, I knew that I needed, after that day, I knew I needed to get my life. So your prayers were answered. And she said, a few months after that, she said that she started going to that church. She started going to the church, started getting involved. She did cleaning. She did this. And she just wanted to put her hand to something. And so she said, the Lord has changed my life. All because somebody, instead of complaining, saying, there's crazy people on the road. They said, no, we're, gonna, we're going to pray for her. One person's going to minister to, that's ministering to the one. We have to look at the world with fresh eyes. We have to look at people with fresh eyes. Because God wants to change people's lives. He wants to change you and me more and more and more. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that we would all be encouraged today. No matter what we're going to face in 2021. The ship can toss us to and fro. Things can come against us. But when the dust settles, we're going to be standing strong. When the dust settles, we'll be seen 
and right in the middle of the goodness of God. I believe it, Father, that you're going to do that not only in this city, but in cities around the world. The goodness of God will be on display for people to see God and to know him. So, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for everybody here. Our hearts will be tender. We'll be ready to do what you want us to do. I thank you that you have promised us that the Holy Ghost is in us. He'll lead us and he'll guide us. He'll even show us things to come. I believe, Father, in the name of Jesus, for all of us to be awakened, to really trust you. To say, Father, I'll get in the wheelbarrow. Father, I will. Because I know your hands are on the wheelbarrow. Your hands are on my life. And you only want good for me. You'll not let evil or harm come to us. We can truly trust you as Father. So I pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.